I think we're going to eventually have to change the intro. I realize it's become less about the mainstream left and more other things. I think more against robots. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll, we'll, so. Yeah, so yeah, I'm just right. saying. So this might be the last days of say, these. Might be the last times we'll be saying against the mainstream left. We have to think of something else, and I think Jess, you're going to have to help with that now. Now that we're four people, we're, I don't want it to be about Andy and I anymore. I want it as a team effort to start thinking what do we need to change it to for next intro. So reflect on that. I think that's important. Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. I'm Eduardo Barco with co-host, teacher, and socialist Andy Lipson, and writer and, and and teacher Jessica. We are online at what-s-left.webnow.com. You can find the link to our blog in the episode notes. Please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications, and share your favorite episode wherever you found this episode. Thank you. Right. Um, so, uh, topic for today, Andy. You sent us a message through our group message. It was about reflections and the second part to this series of Colombia and the sex industry and you know the fourth industrial revolution as, as it comes as it relates to uh, the future of sex maybe you can just share with us what you had in mind for today's episode uh, that might just be just a small uh, uh, switch or change or modification to today's topic yeah well first off um, I just thought because I a lot of things came up for me in both filming that episode, but also watching it again. Um, so I thought maybe we should reflect, have some reflections on what this episode, what that episode was about for us, like what came up for us. And certainly I want to hear from, from you on that, Eduardo. Um, and then there was that question that came up about the specialness of the nature of exploitation in the sex work industry as compared to some of the other things. I think that was a good thing that Jessica opened up. And then I thought maybe we'll talk more about some of the stories that yeah. what's the nature of the work that you're seeing as, as you're hearing those stories in Colombia. So Sure. All right. So I, I guess I'll start off just because I think it was obviously a piece about me last week. <laughs> so it, it only makes sense for me to share what has happened since now. Uh, I think the first thought is I'm glad we're a small channel. <laughs> <because> <laughs> That's the first thing I thought, <laughs> because I just received, you know, through Instagram, some some uh, private messages from folks which were nice. Some were genuinely interested in knowing more about stories or specifics about my life. Others were about, well, these were direct messages, people who know me, who, who listen and watch uh, our show, tell me why didn't I tell them about aspects of my life before, <laughs> which is uh, hard for me. Obviously I had said it in the episode last week uh, and still others sort of were asking. It was interesting. Some were asking like maybe if I still give any of these services and no kidding, kidding aside. <laughs> so that was okay. That didn't offend me, but it was, not the intention of the episode. I just want to make sure it's clear that this is not for me to make a promotional video that I'm offering videos. I mean, <laughs> they're not videos. 
<laughs> I'm, I don't know. What's left is not your pimp. That's what you're I, <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> no wonder you wanted to change the opening. I can see now why. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That's funny. It's funny. It's fine. It doesn't bother me. I've gotten a lot of other weird and negative solicitudes, requests in my life. So, All right. Let's start off with reflection. So I guess I will say this. For folks that want to know more about specifics or stories or even just what was it like working, someone asked me, what was it like working differently from in, in the UK versus France and in Mexico versus the US? I can talk about that on a separate, like I have my own channel. It's not really a channel. It's just an account, really. I don't have, I have one video on there that's me and my friends with in here in, in Colombia, but it's in Spanish. If folks really want to know, that's fine. I can delve into it more. I don't plan to make my own YouTube channel. I really don't have the motivation to do that. I appreciate what we have here. So if folks really want that, I can do that. I don't want it to become this story about me, 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 me. It, it, it really does do something. It gives me lots of anxiety. I already shared that when I share things like this publicly. So that's one. So if people want that, that's fine. I, I will explain what differences there are between countries. Um, I will say <laughs> just quickly that uh, in France, it's less about how attractive you are versus in the USA. I'll right. say that. So I, it was definitely different. Uh, <clears throat> uh, the other one was, why didn't I say any of this before? You know, I had a family member who listens and asked me, like, concerned, you know, like, why didn't I do something? Like, why didn't I reach out? Or why didn't I ask for help? Or, you know, this isn't, I'll speak for myself. I cannot speak for other people, right? It's not was not intended for me to receive sympathy or to get some like I'm not trying to share a tragic story and and I think the people who have asked me that I understand their genuine concern and their love for me it's just it feels to me invasive is the word like I why would I share everything about my life do you both share every single detail about your life to every single person who is in your life like I don't think you do Jess do you like do you share every no I mean we don't have to Andy right like I don't think that we share everything Andy knows me for a long time you didn't know me when I was younger like you know but uh, but you know me because of a connection we had through someone else and that doesn't mean I was going to share with you, especially since you knew me at a time when I was raising, you know, a, a, a kid and, and, and you were there. And I wasn't telling you at the time what I was doing after, you know, picking him up and taking him tutoring. And then after that, you know, dropping off lunches for the homeless and then still at midnight doing other things on my own time. Like, this isn't something I'm going to be sharing with you just because we're friends. I, I don't know how what the concept of, yes, I'm close to many people, but doesn't mean that everything is, I share every aspect of my life. So I don't, I almost feel it's like a, like a complaint. I don't mean for the person listening on the other end, for me, to, to, for them to think that I'm seeing them as a, 
like they're griping about not knowing aspects of my life. That's I don't want them to to feel that way. It's just we all have things we're not ready to share, maybe right, or we may not ever share them. You know that's fine too. Uh, so those are kind of things that I didn't. I. I don't know if I expected or did expect it. I think I did. I sort of didn't because I thought not everyone who knows me watches what's left. <laughs> so that's that's something. Other people shared about their own experiences. A few people uh, shared. And those I think I'll keep to myself. I appreciate those who have shared that. Uh, I, uh, I think everyone's going to have a different view on this. And I think most people... Uh, don't know someone who's experienced like sex work on a personal level. I don't think a lot of people do. So it is sometimes interesting and curiosity arises and people want to know more. No. Uh, and then the other one was praise. And I appreciate people who reached out and said, I really liked it. Thank you for sharing. And I appreciate those people uh, for that. Uh, I would like to move away from me and I would like to focus more on folks that are here in Colombia, because that's what I came here for. And I also would like to talk about the future of sex because it's a very interesting topic and what we need to be worried about. And that's, those are the concentrations I would like, I would like for us to focus on. Uh, I think it's interesting. YouTube is a platform where people do like personal things. No, it's like, that's why I think people gather likes and views. People like personal stories and that's always going to be there and that's fine. Uh, I think there are other important issues in the world, uh, but I appreciate that. I mean, when I post things on my Facebook, it barely gets a like. I think there are algorithms there, but when I post a picture, it suddenly gets 50 likes, you know? So, so it's like, uh, you know, I, I think it's just a, the nature of how these things work on social media, you know, personable things are always interesting. I mean, people really liked Andy's wedding stuff, you know, it's like people like, personal things. So I appreciate that. Um, uh, so if I'm motivated and people want that, maybe I'll be inspired some way to do my own video and explain, ex expand further on my own channel. At this point, I only have so much time. I'd rather focus on writing. <laughs> so those are my initial reflections of people's response. Maybe I'll share my reflections since my own personal reflection since honestly I'm still feeling emotionally something I, I don't know what it is how to pinpoint it but I do want to remove that video that's just something I feel like I want to do it's not something I you know there are aspects of my life that I'm not sure if I want to share in those experiences and that gave me sort of anxiety and uh and so i have to choose carefully what i share and what i don't share i i'm still figuring that out so it's a big as i told my therapist today it's a big jump to go from sharing hardly much of that part of my life to suddenly sharing it online and having it in the cloud of the online world forever so it's a big jump for me and so i'm i'm just going through the motions of what it what that feels like for me um, so that's it for that. Um, I'm glad it gave many people uh, a chance to see 
people said that I had a very good way of sharing how one thing led to another from like point A to point D or whatever. And that was interesting for folks to see. Um, yeah, maybe I'll think of more stuff to share later on. I'm, I'm curious from both of you. Um, Jess, you want to go next or should I say something? Mm, you, you go next. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I again, Eduardo, I really appreciated what you shared last week. And issues did come up for me even in the episode. And I'll, I'll probably share that now. Mm -hmm. And that's what I honestly, when I hear people, the people who are asking, who do love you, who are saying, why didn't you share that with me? Honestly, there are something they're having some sort of issue with the with the material. Like it's not it's that's that's how I read that, you know, because, um, you know, you had referred to a past with me before. We've known each other for a long time. But, uh -huh. but the first time I heard the whole story was last week. Um, and, mm -hmm. and, and, um, and part of me does wonder if as your friend, because <laughs> look, the, the running joke on this show has been you saying, Hey, edit this out, edit this out, you know, like edit some of the things you're, we have these battles <laughs> all the time. That, that is your MO. Like you're the guy who's trying to take all these things that I'm like, Hey, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Eduardo, let it go. Like, it's, and you're like, no, Andy, that has to go. Um, and you went from that editor to, to expressing and exposing a lot of your past. I feel like value could come from it. Well, it came from it for me. I appreciate you sharing it. I do think it could help others. I do wonder as your friend, if I did the right thing, I wonder now looking back, if I should have pushed more on, is this really where we want to go? Like, is this where you want to go? Um, mm. Because you know, even as I was editing, as I was doing the second, the first edit, you know, of like our video before I sent it to you, I was like, wow, there's a lot of stuff in here. And part of, part of the reason, well, this was just a very difficult episode for me. Um, it was like, I think I told you that like when, while you were doing your description from A to B to C to D, which only on the second edit did I see, wow, look at, look at this honestly masterful job of showing the progression. And, um, like how you, it's, you really explained how you move from there. For me, what I was going through as I was listening was like, why is he taking so long? Why is this story starting from Jehovah's Witness? Why is this, like, I was getting um, impatient, you know, like that was going on in the back of my mind, like mm. getting, and I think I told you this is like, that's because I, my reason for that, I believe was I was anxious about you getting to this material. Like, and I was feeling anxiety about it. So the longer you were taking the more I was getting nervous, you know, and not for you, just for me, it was, it was something that is just, you know, I'm like, how am I going to feel comfortable hearing this and talking about this? And da, da, da. I wasn't sure what I was going to go through. And I, I was, I was partially comfortable, partially it's like, you know, I, these are not terms talk about masturbation. It's not something I think about that. We, when we did what's left, that was not one of the top items that I thought we were going to be talking about. Um, but <laughs> so the so I just think that it was uncomfortable for me and because of that honestly I think I wasn't I do think I was not quite the friend I would have wanted to be for you in saying hey Eduardo let's take another look at this episode and be like are you sure you want to do this <laughs> now with that being said if you decide to take it down this just 
the whole thing goes down. I understand there's a way it could be too late, but we're a small channel. I don't think anybody's going to keep it archived, but that's, that's small. That That's, you know, um, so I'm fine with taking it down if we, if you need to do that, um, because I do, in some ways I have a question because I think, and I was talking to Brandy about it. It's like, she was like, well, why did he do this? And I'm like, I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure why he did this. Like, and except to say that it, sometimes people take leaps to try to get themselves out of holes, you know? Um, and um, so I, all I can say is I appreciate you sharing it. And it was not, it wasn't easy for me to hear, uh, but I'm, it helps me to know. And I think I'll be able to be a better friend because I know more about the, the terrain of, of part of your life. And um, I don't think it defines you, but I think it's, a, it's, it's, it was clearly a, form, a formative experience, just like Jehovah's Witness was formative. Um, and you've told me more about that than you had told me about this part of your past. So I guess that's what I'll say. Yeah, I think it was hard for me to listen to in a lot of ways as well. Some, some similar, um, like when I was watching Andy's edit back the first time, I don't think I said a word for like 45 plus minutes, which usually I'm, you know, you guys have to shut me up. But um, I think there was real value in that in just like us sitting back and like letting you tell the story the way that you chose to tell it. Um, however uncomfortable it might have been for you for us completely agree with Andy like it can come down at any time like no worries um I do think there's maybe more to be said more like analysis in terms of like why is it so uncomfortable I don't mean for you necessarily Eduardo but like just as we kind of move this from more of a like Eduardo's story to more of a broader discussion and connecting it to other topics that we have talked about because yeah I mean what's left in start out of this show about like masturbation and sex work but like actually and I think especially as we get to where I know you originally wanted to go Eduardo which was to talk about the future of sex and um, I think a lot of that stuff is like really really integral uh, and a lot of it's deeply uncomfortable uh, but all the more reason, like we need to be aware of it and figure out how to have these discussions. I also think um, like just reflecting on everything you shared, I don't know, like I had so many different emotions just, uh, and yeah, I mean, everything from just feeling like like just protective, you know, like I consider you my friend and just, I don't know. I mean, I think probably all of us on the show are like pretty uh, empathic people. I think we take on a lot, like not just in terms of our friends, but in terms of just like globally, like humanity, but it's, it's different when it's someone that you know, right? I mean, I know I, I haven't met you in, in real life. Um, and I had like, I don't know. I mean, I, I think also for me, and I kind of mentioned like, this was one of the first times I'd really heard like an in-depth story uh, from a male perspective about this industry. 
Um, so I was reflecting on that a lot. And I think we've done like a couple episodes, you know, that have in some way related to like gender and sex where I like kind of bring in like my feminist perspective. Sometimes I kind of like ram it, <laughs> ram it into the conversation. But I don't know, like it, it brought up even for me just thinking about my own like political stances, my own personal stances on the sex industry, but also on all sorts of issues that are related. Um, and I, and, and like how, where am I trying to go? Like diagnosing the problem, which is a lot of what I think we sometimes try to do on this show is like trying to figure out together, just kind of working through our own experiences and our own thoughts and trying to figure out like, what's, okay, what's going on? What, like, what's the problem? And then, you know, the, the question that we keep coming back to, like how to, how to fix it. Do we start a revolution? If so, how, what does that look like? Um, and like, for me, one of the, like, I sometimes feel, especially, I don't know, just struggling like to express myself. Andy and I were talking about that trajectory, uh, before we started recording, but, um, like critiques of capitalism um, and more of like the socialist lens that especially Andy and Kenny rightly like bring to the table. And then the sort of feminist lens, uh, which most of the time I think they're of a piece. Like I think capitalism is pretty patriarchal, obviously. Um, but there's very, I don't know, like when I try to go back to like origin, um, I guess for me, and maybe this is just where I am in my life right now or politics or whatever, like, I feel like my biggest solidarity, just like in my heart, not necessarily like my, like organizing or whatever, but is with like women, like girl, women and girls, um, which is not like, that's obviously not opposed to like workers and more of the socialist lens. But it did like that episode really did bring up for me um, some tensions and and even just discomfort with like, I think it's really like I find it really hard to have some of these conversations with men. Right. Even though like you guys are the best. And I think that's even a testament to like imagine what it's like to have these conversations on a broader scale um, with people that you don't trust or you don't, um, you know, don't feel like sharing stuff even remotely this intimate um and I yeah I don't know I struggle with that like there's class-based analysis in terms of like socialism workers and then there's class-based analysis in terms of sex-based classes right and and like I'm, I'm thinking about this because like the vast vast majority of sex workers are female right um and it's not at all to discount your experience, Eduardo, or what you shared. In fact, it, it's the opposite. I think it's really, really valuable. Um, but it just brought up a lot for me in terms of just the gendered dynamics of some of these conversations. And, and ultimately, like uh, what we come back to a lot on this show, I think is like affirming and recognizing each other's humanity, right? And, and I, I mean, of course, like that's, that's totally how I feel. And I think at base, like, like there's nothing that you could say or do Eduardo or, or Andy or Kenny that would make me be like, 
oh, like you're the problem, <laughs> right? Like you're, you're the problem. Um, because at, at base, like I, you know, through the critiques, but then also like critique, like political critiques aside, like, you know, that's like, we see each other as, as fellow humans. Right. Um, but it's, I don't know, like I, I, I kind of pride myself I, increasingly on speaking just in general, not just on here, but like pretty, pretty freely and speaking my mind and being truthful, like as far as like what I know to be true. Um, but I like, I, there are moments, especially in these really gendered conversations where I can feel myself like, like walking the line and even like with the language, like I don't condone the term sex work. Like I, I, like I kept doing this like last week, you know, and watching the edit back. Um, I don't know, just stuff like that, where I'm like, I don't like, obviously I like, I don't want to just constantly be like, here's my opinion, <laughs> whatever. But it's just interesting, like the ways in which we kind of self-censor, like even when people were super like freely, you know, open with. Um, okay, that was a lot of rambling. I'm going to stop there. <laughs> I, I want to comment on what Jess has said, but I don't want to interrupt you. Did you want to say more, Jess? No, please no. <laughs> so I want to state that this is, you know, part of the reason why when some time ago when we started what's left before what's left one of the things that i wanted to do was do videos with jake online about our differences and at that time andy was doing videos for randy i think it was oh, yeah. and you and you had said to me andy you called me up one day and you said why don't we do videos online together and I thought sure I mean at first I was hesitant I said okay let me think about it but because I this is something that's going on forever online and you had mentioned to me Andy that the reason why you wanted to do it with me in particular was because doing it with another friend of yours with the same socialist lens wasn't going to be it, it wasn't going to give the debate necessary to have that kitchen table conversation that people needed wherever they're watching this or wherever they're listening to this. We needed to have that difference in order for folks to make up their own mind about where they are at, how they come to their own conclusions. What do they think about what I have said? What do they think about Andy? It would have been maybe, I don't know if easier, but it would have been boring you had said something like that if it was someone that had the same perspective as you, Andy. This is what you had said to me. And at the beginning, I remember because of our relationship, I wasn't sure how much I was agreeing with you, but I was hesitant to share my life or my perspective, my lens being Mexican, having different lens from abroad. And then also my experience in the USA, also just having gone to school there, having worked in San Francisco, having been on this side, right? Like for me, it was, I was finding my way. But what I, what I really appreciate was the honesty that we had in what's, on what's left the team as us as a, as a duo at first for us to really be comfortable to push back on each other's ideas. And I want us to fight because off, out 
out of the ring, we're friends. But once we're in the ring, remember this, Candy? I told you this all the time. Once in the ring, I can't have you, you know, crying about this because <laughs> I, I'm not going to be nice. So I, so then Kenny came along and there were a few discussions. So I said, you know, we've had, I'm going to have my best and I need to make sure. And then these two bullies, if you look at past episodes, these two, I said one at a time, just like in school, when I used to have fights, I used to tell them, if you want to beat me up one at a time, but you can't beat me up together. <laughs> and so eventually then Jess, when you, when we had considered having another person on, it was like a relief, you know? It wasn't because you and I can share the same ideas. I don't want that. It was because it was someone else with a different perspective. Not because we're sharing the same ideas, because it's like, okay, someone else has a different perspective. I have, at, at, this, at that point of our show, we were seeming like it was one perspective versus two, pers versus one perspective versus two versus one. It, it was at that time. Do you remember, Andy? I'm rambling too. But we appreciate your difference and whatever wherever you are at you need to push back and just say it as it is i'm i appreciate your lens i may not always agree with it i know i don't always agree with andy and i just like your your perspective uh and that is also like i'm not a socialist i'm an anti-capitalist and to me socialism i have issues around it and i've said it in episodes before but I, I do, I do, I'm attracted to it, but it's like not my preferred choice of it. And, and, and I appreciate that, you know, we can have that discussion and that debate on what's left because it's very necessary. And I think we already have two strong voices of socialist people here. So it's like, oh, <laughs> a relief that we don't always have to agree. So anyhow, I, I think we're going to have to cut, chunk some of that down. What I, I just want to say is, say it as it is, just and just uncensored. I appreciate it, but I understand that fine line because I've been there. Not because of what's left, just in general, when you're talking in public. I feel this way when I'm talking to other people on the spectrum, wherever politically they are. Sometimes I find myself editing myself or sort of trying to dance around what I want to say. And that's just the nature of the way that these conversations around politics are, I think. Anyhow, I'm just reflective on that. Yeah, and um, well, first and first off, I think you, I, I, I think there's a probably a reason you didn't bring up your disagreement with the term because you were like, you recognize this is Eduardo's episode. This isn't about, this isn't about that discussion right now. And I, that that's one thing I appreciate, Jess, is that you, I mean, I don't know how I, maybe I intuited it. Maybe it's just been obvious from from experiencing how you are, but you know, you kind of know when it's your time to bring up something that is like, hey, we're going to argue about this. And you also know when that is not the time. And I, I think that's an important part of being in a conversation. It's an important part of listening is to know the right time for that. And I feel like you, you understood that that was, this was, this, that yesterday or last week's episode was not the place for that discussion. This might be the week, but not, not last week. Um, I also appreciate, Jess, that you bring up the fact that it was uncomfortable because there were guys there. Cause I, I feel the same way. Cause you were there. Um, like, I think if it had been Kenny in that and not you there, I think it would have, it would have still been uncomfortable, but it's a different discomfort. And, mm. um, and, and that one could say, well, why? And that could be a part of, that could be where we go now, but I don't immediately have an answer. I just say it. And I like, I just know what, what's, 
that's what's happening in, in, inside. I also appreciate that one of the things I wrote down as the in terms of the one of the th- the big things that were said because I did notice as I was editing that Jess, you didn't come into like forty five minutes in. I'm like, wow, she was like completely, you know. Um, and then Eduardo, back, you know? and then Eduardo <laughs> edited you out later on, even you know. So, <laughs> um, so, um, but um, the thing you had said last week about like how this was a difference for you to hear this from a coming from a man and like a man's experience that was like I felt like that was very a very intimate very vulnerable statement and like you've come back to it again this week and I just I appreciate and it 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 sounds like again it's causing you to think more deeply about your your own beliefs your own feminism what it means for you and I really appreciated the fact that you said you know like well I would just be more comfortable having this discussion with women like I just think that's the reality. And it's not something that where you say, I don't trust you, Andy. I don't trust you, Eduardo. I don't know what the reason for that is, but that's a truth. So um, we could get into why that is. Um, so I'm, uh, it's still not the most comfortable thing. And I, I don't even know if I want to talk about why, <laughs> but um, I'm glad we're at least saying it here. And I, I, again appreciate that i can talk to you too and we would have kenny here as well um but i trust you all and i and i all i can say is that that's important to me is showing that trust and and when that gets sent out it's like people either see or they don't why don't we start there i'm i'm curious there's three things i'm i'm curious from from jess why it was uncomfortable or not, or what is interesting about hearing it from a man, from a man's perspective. And, and then Andy, I'm not quite clear your discomfort around sex or your discomfort around talking about it with the presence of a woman. Talking about it. Talking about sex work. Yeah. And like just any sex stuff, you know, like, like, I get, I think it would have been easier if it would, if, if we could replace Kenny's Jessica square with Kenny's. I think it would have been a little easier. Mm. It still would have been uncomfortable, but it would have been a I little I don't know easier. if Penny will be a, will feel like that's a compliment or a <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, I guess awesome. I'll start off and then we'll, and then you'll both can share what you want. I I don't, look, I, I was talking to someone earlier today and I shared this episode. I mean, I shared it and I was talking about it in Spanish with them and uh, uh, one of my housemates. And... I said what I was doing in Colombia, and I also talked about my own experience. And I noticed that I got uncomfortable talking about sex again, but I realized I got uncomfortable because I don't know how much another person is open about it. I personally am not uncomfortable with it. Me, I'm just not uncomfortable with it. If you've done the things that I've done, you don't you, you don't feel com- you don't feel discomfort after a while if someone is comfortable with me or if at least they allow the space they have to they can feel uncomfortable within themselves but they don't talk about it too much to just feel it because it's like okay it's there I, i'm aware of it but just let's move forward then i can be comfortable uh so i i'm not uncomfortable i think people should be open to these conversations i think society i think 
abusive relationships. I think um, stigma, and I just think overall the taboos of this of of something so naturally human are what plays into our discomforts, right? Especially if you've come from a place where that wasn't normal to talk about. I don't, so I don't feel discomfort. I, I, the only thing I feel is discomfort from people's judgments. That's what I feel. Uh, so that, that, that's where I think, that, uh, that's what I'll say to that. I don't know if you want to say anything else um, to any of my questions. I had two questions that I posed, one to Andy, one to Jess, if anyone wants to take up the mantle from there. Whether are you uncomfortable or what change your perspective or what is what is notably different in listening to a, maybe a have heard it from, maybe if you heard it from a woman versus now having heard it from a man. I think two th- well two things that are coming to mind right now. There's probably more. The first one is that I. And I'm not trying to classify like your experience as like anything in particular, but I'm very wary because I I see this happen where people are talking about the sex industry through the neoliberal, like, yay, sex work, woo, agency framework. And I feel like they are judging this global system of like male violence and 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 just bad stuff like super exploitative industry by like the one percent of like chicks on only fans who made a bunch of money and bought mansions and like great for them super happy for them that is not what i think we should be judging a global system of exploitation on right like where like rape is widely widely normalized and all of these you know just like i don't know i just I, so it's not that i think that you're i mean you shared all sorts of different experiences and and some of them were really sounded really terrifying and like like really terrifying um so it's not that I'm like, oh, you're a man. So like, <laughs> you can't be like, you don't suffer to the same level. Like, that's not all what I was trying to highlight. Like when I brought up the question of like, well, is, um, is there something distinct right. about like sexual trauma versus just capitalistic exploitation in general? It's not that I think we need to like qualify or quantify and like make some sort of judgment call about like who's suffering is worse. Um, but I think, in judging this industry, like I want us to look at like the millions and millions of like cases of, of child abuse and rape and just horrible, horrible things. Um, the other thing, which I think maybe, well, you tell me, Andy, if this is part of why it's uncomfortable to have me here, you know, as like three men having a woman present for this is that through like a feminist, well, like a second wave feminist analysis, structurally i don't mean personally but structurally you guys are part of the oppressor class and i am part of the oppressed class so there's i think that's part of what makes it weird and uncomfortable right and it's i'm not suggesting like through those terms that we can't work together or that like 
I mean, I have plenty of, it's not like I hate men or something or like that's always the, the charge for like radical feminists, like, oh, there's man haters, obviously not. <laughs> um, but through that lens, that is the class dynamics and it makes it really difficult to feel like you're on the same page, like uh, you can share intimate, you know, whether it's personal or just your experience of the world, right? Because um, you feel like, well, they don't get it, right? Like they're not a woman or vice versa. Um, so I, I don't know, is, was that, is that part of it for you? I thought it's part of it for me, not all of it. But. Yeah, I don't know. This, this is one where I don't, we'll see how much of this gets for, <laughs> I might be doing, doing some editing. Um, so I'm glad you, I'm glad you, you called your shot. It's like, here's where I think you're coming from, Andy. Um, because I, I don't think that's what it is. I think, um, for me, the word sex and the word shame are connected. Um, and the word sex and shame being connected are from experiences in the past that were negative. And those experiences in the past were negative were not from a man, <laughs> you know? So, um, you know, I think that's how, I mean, as you talked, that's, how, that's what came up for me about like, and secondly, I've met Eduardo, like I do think the fact that I've met Eduardo, I've met Kenny and we haven't, like, we haven't met, like you, we kept coming back in real life, you know, haven't seen you. But I think even if we had met, I think, because of my own past and because of my experience of difficulties. Um, I think that, I think, it, I think sh sex and shame and then vulnerability, right? Because something that where you feel shame about is where you're most vulnerable. And to then, that's where I, I'm least likely to want to open any window into my own view of these things, to say words about these things, to speak about them, because what comes in, in my mind are, is a, is a wave of laughter and of and of and of this notion that I would be exposed and be seen as like there's something wrong with me, you know. And so it's much more likely that that my ex the t the tendency for me to think that uh, that I might be scorned, be ex experienced scorn or judgment is much more likely to come from your eyes than from his, like based on not because of Jessica or Eduardo, but because of my past. Um, so that's what I think is going on. All right. So a few things come to mind if I, so I, I, I'm not going to speak about, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna speak to what you said, Andy. I think you can speak for yourself around that. Um, so I'll leave it at that. Does, um, that make, does that make sense? Well, it makes sense to me. I'm not sure if it makes sense to Jess. I think but so. that's not for me. Okay. Because it does not for me to tell. Does that make? <laughs> does that make sense? Don't for me, Eduardo. <laughs> huh? What? I, just, I said, don't speak for me, Eduardo. <laughs> I'm just joking, though. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. I mean, shame. Yeah, we're all so freaking traumatized, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I wanted to say this. So a few things come up for me in what Andy said, not but not because of the, your personal experience, Andy, but it comes up. Oh, I don't know if this is the episode that this is like going to be part four or whatever. But so 
I, I agree. Here's where I'm still finding my way. So I'm finding my way. So I, I'm trying to leave my liberal progressive mind, activist mind away that sort of student movement led feminist kind of talk on, you know, the, the, that wave of feminism where it's just tied to the Democratic Party, if you know what I mean. It's like to tied to the left, the mainstream left, the conventional left, the, the, the university academic left. I'm trying to move away from that. But at the same time, I, I, I acknowledge, like for me, the reason why I walk with my housemate, my roommate, to her work. Why do I walk with her? I know why I do it. <laughs> what I'm just trying to say is I don't do that with my male roommates. Why don't I do that? Because the fact is they say it. It's not like they're talking politics here. They just say, it. if I'm by myself, I'm going to get, something's going to happen to me. But if they see me with you, another man, I'm going to be, the probability is going to be less that something's going to happen to me. This is their words. These are their words, right? And I don't walk with my roommate, my male roommate to his jobs. We walk because we want to chat. But I don't walk with them for that extra layer of protection. So it's not like I can just say we're all the same, we're all workers. There are obviously differences. I don't feel comfortable for her to walk by herself. Because I've seen how when we walk the streets, I see how the men eye her. I see how they, 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 they eye rape her, do you know? And I feel so protective of her. I know people look at me too. And, but I, it's, it's different. It is different from the way that people look at me versus how they look at her and how vulnerable she is. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because I can't, I'm not stupid. I, I'm not blind to the fact that even though there are male and female workers who are doing webcamming services here, I know that there is a difference between how they are treated in the world. We're workers. I mean, I'm not working here, but do you know what I mean? We're all been in the industry. But they're obviously experiencing different things within the same industry, within the same work field. So I know I have to do things differently and I treat things differently, not because I want to treat one better than the other. I just know that the way that our society is, is they're going to be treated differently. The harassment that comes from working online, being stalked, Greatly, I've asked them both, male and female, is greatly different from both to both of them. The way that they're treated, the way that they're talked to, these things are facts of life. So for me, it's difficult to, to say, mm, I hate this. <sighs> the identity politics doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in the sense that for me, for me, it doesn't exist anymore in the sense that I will believe in Kamala Harris as being the savior of women. Or being, or that because she's black or whatever, 
she's going to give us the freedom, like we discussed in the Katanji Brown Jackson video, that workers need. I'm not talking about that kind of identity politics. I'm talking about the fact that there's a woman with us and that we're inviting other men, like tonight, other people are going to come here in this house. She feels very comfortable. My roommates feel very comfortable with certain people. They don't feel comfortable with others. And it's not personality. It's the fact that you're not sure who to trust sometimes. We live in it. We live in a we live in a neighborhood that's not very, it's not, it's not the ghetto, right? But it isn't also the safest area. And you have to keep your guard up. And women keep their guard up when they go to work. How do I explain that to someone who is a man who says we're all the same? I don't know how to say that to a man who feels like I have friends who are men who say I experience suppression or, or um, oppression too. There are, and that's where I also try to be a, a listener. And I hear one of my friends that we've also experienced, I've experienced abuse. I've experienced other forms of suffering that has come. And having raised the boy, young man, really, now, there are areas that I know that are easier for women to do in communication and expressing, expressing and the sisterhood that they have that I feel is a lack in our, in our part of the area of men. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if that's clear, Jess. So I feel like I've seen, especially when I, when I see men, you know, internally suffering, they may not be outwardly showing it, but there's something that I see we as men are also going through a lot, which is why we're high on suicide rates more than women. It just, there's something emotionally not there balanced out as well. So it, to me, what I'm just trying to say is I don't know how to erase identity. One's a woman, one's a man. And I don't, I, I'm struggling because things are, things happen to women that don't happen to men. And then men experience things that don't happen or not as much as common in women, with women. I don't know how, I'm still figuring this out for myself. Well, I don't but know I, if it's helpful. Oh, go ahead, Edward, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead. Just, I mean, I don't know if it's helpful in supplying even just like the language, but to me, like that's one of the fundamental things that radical feminism specifically supplies is it is it distinguishes between identity politics, right? Where you can identify as whatever, like that is a like abstract thing um, versus a class-based analysis, like a sex-based class, right? Like I, I can identify as a six foot male, but <laughs> whatever identification, you know, identity politics is not going to protect me in a situation, you know, where say I'm being raped or robbed or whatever. Right. Um, so I, I don't know if that helps at all, but for me, like that was one of the sort of aha moments. Like when I first started reading radical feminist texts, it's like, oh, okay. It's, it's actually class politics. Right. Um, and it's, it's, totally distinct from something like, you know, Kamala Harris being celebrated as like some 
symbol of liberation, which she's she's not obviously. I'm I there was a thought something else came up to mind that might help this thought. You know, I there are women here in this this I, I told you I was volunteering this organization, this group where people are getting support. I feel most comfortable talking to men. Not because I feel comfortable, I, I feel uncomfortable talking to women. I don't feel uncomfortable talking to women. I just I just in this in this industry, I just see how the social workers are able, because they're women mostly, are able to connect with them. But I don't see how they're able to connect with the with the young guys. And when I speak to them, I hear them and their stories. And I and one particular, one Colombian worker, he's been raped twice. And the space, the level of talk, or the, the, the space or the, 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 to have that conversation is not there. I don't, I was struggling to see how is this conversation, you know, where, who is having this conversation with him? I just spoke with him and he shared this with me and he hasn't shared this with anybody. But because I'm a guy, he felt comfortable sharing it with me. And that isn't to undermine someone like the women that I saw there, their experience. It's just that I feel in this moment, I was needed for him, not for them. And so it just, to me, it's, it's like, at the same time, I walk with, with my roommate to over, like, do you see how this is all like, how do I, I'm I'm figuring this out in my head. Like we're so complex and so traumatized. Everyone has a lot of things going on. You know, it's just it's hard for me to say one group is not, but then one percentage-wise, I do see women more attacked than men. And I've seen it on the street, whistled at, irate, talked to in a certain way, undermined, ignored. I've seen it. Like and and I'm always asked, my roommate, can you walk with me here? Can you talk for me? Can you say this? Why is she saying that to me? Obviously, there are reasons why. <laughs> I can use my face, my beard, my my mannerism, my voice, my roughness, whatever, and acting, whatever it is, to be able to 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 shield people's ways of being with her. Do you know what I mean? I and and yet I'm here giving more comfort to men on this side when I'm volunteering. Yeah, I think there's a there's a lot of things that come into to my mind, and I, for me the the, com the thing I'm I'm wondering if I'll be able to do is to both talk about these political questions of identity politics versus class politics versus even maybe radical feminism, but also keep on this personal area because they are combined, and I don't I don't want it to separate them out. Um, so the personal is the personal, and then where where there's the political, and we don't agree that we we can disagree with each other um uh but like so for me and i think it's interesting so i really appreciated jessica that you first said maybe andy you're, you're running into the thing that you're kind of coming from that oppressor place you know like that's why you didn't want to and i think it wasn't that it is actually a result what i would say is a result of a shared experience of some kind of oppressive abusive experience and that is what that is what really, um, uh, and so it was that 
that is that might bind us bind us in some ways um because i i and the the thing the mistake that i think that i've the difficulty i have with identity politics from people who are trying to fight racism or fight sexism or fight um you know sexual exploitation fight all these these things that i'm against and and think that there's answers to be found by changing a system um the the identity politics says it it just divides us all up on the basis of the different ways we experience those things because they are experienced differently like the fact that we are all we all are exploited does not mean we all experience the same level of exploitation and experience that exploitation in the same way when i have student teachers who are female who are like i'm supposed to be a master teacher and then i talk with them about okay, here's what I saw you do. But when I tried to do that, I got, I caught a lot of hell from so-and-so. And I was like, well, who were those students? And I hear, well, number one, number two, number three, and they're all male students. And I'm like, well, you were, you were doing the right thing, but you're, you're, you're in a, you're in a world of sexism. Like, so the, the things that I can do, the things that I do, and I don't have to experience that you're going to go do them. And you're going to, you're not, it's not necessarily going to work because you're in a, you're in a, you're, the blades are, are spinning faster in that room to cut you up because of the various wrong ideas that other male workers in training have about thinking that you're the problem, not somebody else. And so it, it, to me, like identity politics doesn't answer the question as to why Eduardo would understand he's going to walk with his female colleagues versus walk with his male colleagues. Like, I feel like it has no answer for that. And, the, and I feel like that, that is what Eduardo's doing there is just like, you might not put in those terms. That's what class solidarity is. That's what it looks like. At, you know, I mean, it's, it, it, it is in a recognition about we all live in this exploitative and abusive system. We don't all experience the same amount of it or levels of it or type of it, but we are all subject to it and we all need each other to stop it. I mean, that, that is the fundamental thing. And, and the, the reason identity politics is not just doesn't work, but is antithetical to that, to that for me, is it, it ultimately divides us on that basis of a differing experience and obscures the commonality. And there, then it doesn't allow us to see that we, hey, we're all in this together. Oh, no, you're not because you did this. You, were, you experienced that worse where I experienced that worse. And I'm like, but dude, we're all, we're all catching hell. And I get it. And you might want to think that I'm, I, and if I think I'm benefiting because I catch less hell, then that's on me because that, that's, you know, good luck with that because we can see where this is all headed, you know, in terms of fourth industrial revolution, there are deeper prisons that we are all being, they're all being created for us right now. Um, so I guess I'll leave it at that. Well, and maybe I would just bring back what you brought up earlier and the like with the shame thing because i don't think that's most likely unique to you i think that there's a, a cultural association between sex and things like shame and humiliation and like power power dynamics like not good power dynamics and trauma I mean, the rates of childhood, specifically sexual trauma. I mean, I don't know the statistics off the top of my head, but they're bad. I mean, they're really fucking bad. 
And I know like Eduardo, you had mentioned last week, like it's very common among sex workers to have had sexual abuse in your childhood, right? Um, I don't know, I, I guess I'm, it's kind of got me thinking about just like the trajectory of an average person's life in terms of sex. I mean, even just in the US, right? Where we're supposedly all progressive and everything's great, right? And, you know, liberation. But I mean, like you, you start your life, right? You're, you're ripped most likely, right? If you're born in the hospital, you're ripped from your mother's vagina by some dude in a white coat, um, depriving you of the most like vital initial formative, like healthy bonding experience with another human, right? Like baby and mother, both like psychologically, but also just biologically, right? Like the, the hormone. Um, so that's how it starts. If you're a, if you're a dude, if you're a male baby in the United States, right. And I mean, we don't have to get into this issue, but you're most likely going to have be genitally mutilated. Right. Which is really, uh, I think when we talk about like sex and concepts of like masculinity and trauma, like that aspect of our culture is often really overlooked. Um, and it's also like the U S I think is the only country on the planet really where that's, you know, where like routine circumcision is carried out outside a religious context. If I'm not mistaken, I know like whatever UK, Canada, like it's still, I'm not sure how common it is, but I know in the U S like it's, it's pretty much standard. Um, so let's say this is a male child, right? Like they grow up, hopefully they escape childhood without overt sexual molestation or assault, you know, although a shocking number of people do undergo those experiences, you know, and then they get to what, like, I think the average age is, is like 10 or 11 where they're going to be exposed to pornography, right? Well, they're exposed to the internet, of course, right? And, and by whatever puberty age, right? Like they're most likely going to be on the internet daily if not hourly especially if they have a smartphone or their parents give them access to a smartphone um i mean like half the internet's porn like literally i was literally trying to stream a fucking harry potter film the other day uh and there's like porn popping up like pop-up stuff like really violent like just fucked up stuff and that's their sexual education right because sex ed is a joke still in this country despite like all the neoliberal know efforts to educate people um so that's going to set their expectations for sex that's going to carry out cultural programming and i mean just to come back to like the like the hormone like thing they're like young men are climaxing to this shit you know not just you know whatever probably hundreds thousands of times right so there's not just like a cultural programming but there's a chemical programming happening right because it's you know orgasm obviously is one of the most chemically powerful mechanisms that a person can experience you have 
neurotransmitters, right? Uh, hormones, kind of like thinking back to like, I remember you brought up Pavlov last week, Eduardo, like with the idea of conditioning. And I think, you know, the, just the influence of, of the porn industry uh, alongside the sex industry or as two parts, you know, of a, of a piece on the, you know, the influence of that on the society at large, like even just getting outside this specific industry that we've been talking about. I don't think that can be under understated, right? So you're basically rewiring people's minds. Um, we've been talking about like psychological programming and pro propaganda and all of this stuff um, the past two years, right? But like, this is one of the most extreme examples of that. You have like all these young boys and, and girls to some extent, you know, getting this probably daily, like dopamine hit, serotonin hit, oxytocin hit, which oxytocin is the, the bonding hormone, right? Like that is the, that's the hormone that you want between a mother and her baby, right? Um, initially. So you've got like attachment um, being created. And so you're creating like a whole society of boys and men who get off to violence and domination and humiliation and objectification. Um, and then especially in more recent decades with the, you know, democratic neoliberal brand of feminism, like, especially in my lifetime, um, now you have women and girls kind of being conditioned to eroticize these types of subjugation, right? And then you com combine that with the information blackout in terms of like history and, and, and any, anything that shows that this is not the only way to do things, right? Like that you actually aren't powerless or you shouldn't be powerless, right? Um, especially as women, um, but also like, especially like young boys, uh, gay men, right? All, you know, we can go down the list. Um, but then it's like, we're like, oh, well, why is our society so fucked up, right? Like, why can't women like walk down the street alone at night? And then like with the tag, which I know we're gonna get to, and I'm really rambling now, but like the tech just explodes everything, right? Like the tech is, it's primed to like create these markets. And I just, I mean, knowing the level of like shame and trauma and stuff that people like my age or older have experienced and how normal it is, especially in the realm of sex. And to see like the trajectory decade to decade, like how much more violent like porn has gotten, how much more, um, we're being propagandized. Uh, it's everywhere. Like you don't have to be in the sex industry to see this like playing out in the culture at large. So I don't know where I'm going with this, but just <laughs> like, yeah, I think we're all like really deeply traumatized from such an early stage. And I think those childhood experiences, like they, they don't just like go away. Right. Especially, you know, a sex ed class on consent is not going to erase that sort of um, history. I think, Jess, what I agree with is you are eliminating an aspect of alienation, and but I would describe it as an aspect of alienation that we experience in growing up. Um, but I think what I felt like in the way that you talk about, well, this is what men are experiencing. This is what developing men like I felt like it, it almost it almost 
it, it, it gets away from the McDonald's worker that we talked about last week. Like the routinization that a person experiences in school the root, and, and how it prepares a person for basically shut the fuck up and do what you're told. And if you don't, you're going to be out on the street. Like just the various insults that we all experience and then how those insults play out for young men growing up in school versus how those insults play out for young women. Um, there are different types of insults that that we that we combine on ourselves and the kind of bullying that kind of goes on, the nature of that bullying, the kind of nature of the shaming is different. But, you know, you can certainly the whole Mean Girls theme, theme talks about what happens among women. But I can definitely say that um, my disconnection from my own emotions had nothing to do with being in, in, being in, being a. Uh, introduced to points. I honestly, I didn't end up like, I remember seeing it one time early on at 30, but it wasn't, it, it didn't even come something I saw till much later college. Even you're old. I don't mean to <laughs> make you sound old, but you're not like, I'm just saying now? it's not, it's not an explanation for, 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 for the kind of disconnection that, that men will often have to their emotional state. Um, I mean, there's other, I think there's a whole host of other things. It, it's a piece of it that can explain something. And I think the things, cause I felt like the way you were talking about it, it made it, made it seem like this is the Holy grail of, of unlocking that. And I, okay. So if it's an aspect, then, then I agree. Um, and that's where it gets back to the, the notion that I, I have now maybe come to more that while sexual exploitation in the, in, the, in some of the areas that Eduardo was describing, um, that it's an aspect of exploitation under capitalism. It, it, it is part, it, it, it shows why the system is so broken or why, why it's, why it needs to be taken down to me because um, one does not have to, cause I, I, what's interesting to me when Eduardo spoke was he was like, I had not been raped, you know, and he talked about that, but then he talked about, you did talk about it, Eduardo, some episodes that were extremely frightening that were like, these are that that would be very traumatic in terms of the level of fear that would come up. So what happens for us often under, under capitalism is like, well, I'm I'm not I'm not experiencing what that person I'm not homeless, you know. So people do this thing where they kind of separate out their experience. I think in a in some ways as a way of escaping the notion that for whatever reason that we are all we are all trapped in this thing, and that we are stuck in it, and that like um. Eugene Debs has a quote. Um, let me see if I can. That that thing, like if there's a prison, I'm in it, and if there's a a, a, work, a lower class, I'm of it. Now, I think people often think when he says that that he's like that's some sort of moral thing, like oh, he's like Mother Teresa. Maybe he was thinking that, but that's not what I hear in it. It's not a Mother Teresa thing. It's to say it's like what we say, like at, at our school. I think ours that our school at Mission when I was being a union activist. It was clear to me that the way to evaluate the fairness of our school was the experience of the most mistreated worker. You could not understand it from some of the people who were who were favorites of the principal and things like that. The way to really understand what our school was about is to look at the person who's being most mistreated. And that really tells you that's what's going on in the school, not because everyone's experiencing, but everyone's experiencing that, but because that really establishes the bottom line of the system that's in place. And I think that's what we live in. We live in a world where the way to understand what this world is really about 
is to look at the at the most people most experiencing the worst stuff. That doesn't say that I'm experiencing that, but that's what our world is. That's how to evaluate this system. And I think people often try to say, well, in a sense, well, that's I'm, I'm getting something better than that. Not to be like, oh, I'm so great, but almost to avoid the fact that, no, you are in the same prison. This is your prison, too. You might not be there now, but that's that's the prison you live in. And I think people often try to see that difference as a means of avoiding understanding and even acknowledging what a deeply broken thing we live in and at least broken for us. And I would say us as men, us as women, us as whites, us as blacks, us as immigrants, us as native workers, us as transgender, us as anything. Like I'm, but when I say us, I am talking about worker because that's not true for the capitalists. So again, that's, that's a political speech in some ways, but that's what I feel like is, that's why I do feel like to speak of the differences is important just to, just to help people understand or help us understand how deeply flawed what we live in is. But it, if, if it's a means of saying, well, that's not what I've experienced. So my situation isn't as bad. No, it is as bad. And in fact, I can think of families where there is abuse in the family and one person's physically abused, one person sexually abused, one person neglected. And you'll, I, I can think of situations where that person who's neglected, who didn't experience the other abuse, isn't any better off. Like they just have a different thing. And in some way, it's not, it's not worse or better. They're living in the same hell. And that's, that's the thing I think we, we can miss, we can miss if we, if we, if we want to talk about difference just to understand and to understand our own situation, then, then I think we're getting somewhere. But when it gets to, for some people, I don't think it's happening here because I know all of you want to change this world, but I think there are ways people sometimes don't try to separate that out to, to say, that's not happening to me. That can never happen to me. And it's not true. We, this is a, we live in a world where the, the worst experience that is happening is one that's possible for all of us. I 100% agree with the the second half of that in terms of like judging, judging things by the worst, you know, the people with the worst experiences. Um, because it's so often the question that I ask, like whether it's about this, like justifications for uh, like the pornography industry or the sex in industry or other stuff. Like I've heard on social media, like uh, the rates of like, suicide among teenage girls, um, which they've directly tied to Instagram are, I mean, it's insane. And so you would think we would just be like, well, shut it down. Like no question. Like that's not justifiable. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like we shut it down, but that's never what we do. Right. Cause there's always profit to be made. Wow. My neighbor has some <laughs> music playing all of a sudden. Um, and then the other thing I just wanted to say about the first part that you, the first point that you made, Andy, um, about the capitalism thing, and I won't, I won't go on and on like I did before because like I said, Lord, it's turned to dog. Um, but I think that's where I just have a lot of doubts. Um, and as much as I fucking hate capitalism and do want to tear it down, I see sexual exploitation. I mean, even just historically, like predates capitalism by a long shot 
So when we're talking about like work, like I don't, again, like I don't just see this as like ordinary, like ungendered work, which is not to say better or worse, but it does have its origin in like literal chattel slavery, right? Like the first slaves, like women were the first slaves. And if you go back, um, and I wish I had it in front of me, but a really great um, book that kind of looks at this is Gerda Lerner's, I think it's called The History of Patriarchy or The Origin of Patriarchy or something like that. Um, but she looks at like ancient societies, like the very first um, early societies and like precursors to like the state, um, you know, and um, you had the exchange of women for specifically for sexual use by men right so like this idea of um like male sex right um and that was eventually incorporated into their economic system right which eventually over centuries led to capitalism so to me it's like I'm not saying that like, oh, like, like what I said about like poor and like, no, I don't think that's like the key, but I do think like this particular form of, yeah, male sex rights and um, sexual objectification of women. I, I think that is like the foundation. I don't think it's just like a product of capitalism. And I think if we tore down capitalism, I'm not sure that that would um, Jess, I have a question. I, I think what comes up for me is you said that slavery, I think I'd like to read, if you could just share with us, maybe in the episode notes where some of the, the what you referenced, what comes up for me is, if I, going back, what predates for me is how men were used for war um, against their will, right? Um, and, and how... Uh, because I do agree that women were historically used to, uh, especially to be used, they, they were basically trafficked, right? And then, so that's why I wonder how, what would be, and it's not like, a, like which happened first. It's not, nothing like competitive nature of like women versus men, because that's not my, my lens, but I, my question comes up because of war, because of territory and fighting, a lot of conflict happened in tribal times. Men were forced to go to war whether they wanted to or not, and young men. And so that, for me, comes up when I think of um, historical uh, analysis of how genders were used. Um, do you want to say anything about that? I was just thinking about that myself. Yeah, no, and I'll, yeah, I can give the the link um I think learner's probably like the best source they can think of on that but um I mean what you just said though gets me thinking you know one aspect of this that we haven't really gotten into is like the connection between the sex industry and militarism and imperialism mm -hmm. right I mean because that's huge like everywhere armies go that's where it explodes like way far back in history all the way up to like you know, you had um, sex trafficking and the sex industry totally blow up in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Yemen, right? And it's not like, it's not a coincidence, right? So, yeah, I mean, obviously there's there's a different form of exploitation happening in terms of drafting usually very young 
uh, men, the young poor men, right? Poverty draft even today um, to carry out this work. Um, yeah, more on <laughs> more on the term work, but I mean, yeah, like that's part of it, right? Like this idea of servicing male sex, right? Like when you have armies, you need an army of. I mean, this is the argument, right? That you need an army of um, women, mostly, to to appease and and supply that like male sex right. Um, and you see, I mean, and, and then obviously, like rape being used as a like a specific weapon of war um, as well. I don't know. I didn't really answer your question, but <laughs> I was thinking about the question about whether this type of work is different because it is different. I, having worked in the industry, having had female colleagues, I, I didn't take offense to what Kenny had said last week because I know Kenny. And I know his intentions, but I would take offense if someone else said that's exactly as working at McDonald's. I would take issue with it. It's not the same as working at McDonald's. I'm sorry. It's just not. Maybe the 1% or the less than 1% of the people who actually just want to do this because they feel they want to be sexually liberated or they have high libidos or they just feel like this is the perfect work for them. Wonderful. Maybe they're the ones who can be considered the same as a, as a, they can unionize or whatever, and they can be on the same level of a McDonald's worker. That's fine. But for the rest of my former colleagues who I cherish, love, have seen their struggles and wrapped into a cycle of abuse and violence and not able to get out or exit out of their abusive relationship that they have with clients, with economic differences. I'm sorry, I just, for me, it's not the same. But I, could, I, I guess even as I pose that question, I would say the same as the military. I would say that it is also not the same as sex work, but I would say, that if not now, because people are volunteering, but I would say, I was trying to think about what I had said about the question about men who were also used and trafficked. Well, they weren't trafficked. They were used against their will to go to war. I think I was trying to say when I posed that question, it's like, it is a different field as well. Your force as a kid, because before you were an adolescent, when you went to war, you were forced as a kid to go kill someone else against your will and to go live in harsh conditions. And if and they were old boys. I I that's another level of trauma, another level of you know murder and and violence and and harsh conditions and being dictated by different levels of systems of, of who your commanders are and even uh, hazed, you know, by other colleagues. I think that that to me is also not the same level as a, as a, as a McDonald's worker. Do you know, I don't, I, these are my thoughts at this moment. 
for me, it's not to say they're the same. It's, this is where the identity politics stuff kind of start to like get confused because people, oh, you're saying that's the same. It's not the same. But what is the same is these are these are relationships whose transaction is mediated and often bound by fear, by degradation, by contempt, by bitterness, by that experience of you're nothing. That's that's what all these have in common because this is the message. You the, the worker is a commodity. Like that's and that's at least that's the Marxist Marxist explanation. You're a commodity. You are a commodity in a system where you have no power because you are being you're being used as a transaction. Uh, your, your, your existence is transactional in relationship to how things are produced in society, whether it's the, the produ- whether it's producing a sexual revelatory experience, whether it's producing the, the capture of land or whether it's producing hamburgers. I mean, what you are, you are not, you're not part of that equation. You're a tool. And that's, that's what the fourth industrial revolution expresses. It's most, that's, what's not unique about it. That's why for, that's why the communist manifesto was useful to kind of go back through because we are, that's the, the realization of, of workers as literally just tools and as just pieces of data that actually could actually be replicated and made into something else, digital twin. That's what we're seeing. It's, it's, it, 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 it is advancing that way. So the, the, to speak of it as the same is only to say, these are all sets of people who are experiencing, we're part of, we're experiencing the same types of degradation and alienation and contempt and exploitation is a common word, but not to say that it's the same amount or it's of the same character. But to, but once you start talking of its character, I actually start to think you start to get more into the divides then. You say, well, then, you know, soldiers have no basis for jo- for being part of something that would unite McDonald's workers with people whose jobs, because again, Kenny, I mean, Eduardo, You've had many jobs. You just told us about one of your jobs. There's other degrading jobs you've had. Being a para was a pretty degrading job, you know, and that you, we could talk about what that was like. You know, this one of the reasons you ended up having to do this other job, second job, third job was because you didn't get paid enough as a para. And so it's a job. I'm not saying it didn't have its impact, but there were other things. And we we are often conditioned into feeling that the our the degradation we experience at work is more normal because we've been routinized through that through the education system we've already gotten used to that it's been built into us that this way we feel or rather not feel that we have no power or really we don't have any say and if we do think we have a say it's an illusion that's just that that, that programming runs much deeper i i would say because it's it's what our education system is built to to inculcate in you that it was that your experience as a para was kind of normal, or somewhat normal, and even my experience as a teacher is normal. So, I guess that's what I'd say. Um, just to add to this question of like, is it distinct or is it important to discuss whatever distinctions there are? I mean, I guess I'll just throw out some of the distinctions that I have heard, like reading or hearing experiences of like former prostituted women 
I don't know. I mean, there's always exceptions to everything. Right. But I do think like, if you take, I don't, I don't know that this really applies to, to your stories. Well, I don't know some of them, Eduardo, because I think like some of the, like the example you described of um, like someone just paying you to talk to them for an hour and stuff like that. And then some of like the, the work that you ended up doing, um, which sounded almost more like well, therapy's not the right word, but like, there's something really like amazing and human and positive, um, which I think we all kind of um, hit on a, a little bit briefly at the end of last episode. Um, so, but let's just think about like the average prostituted woman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you think about like work or labor. Um, I think, I mean, some people argue that this is the only job or certainly one of the only jobs where there's no like skill really like, and I'm not, I'm not saying that to like minimize people's experiences and certainly like the suffering that they go to, but like, I've heard it described like directly from prostituted women as like the only skill that's really required um, in a lot of this work is like the ability to disassociate from body or to withstand like a certain amount of pain or humiliation or disgust or whatever. And so, I mean, that's one that I've heard. Um, I know a lot of sex workers are um, like very, they're dependent on substance abuse in order to get through many of these experiences, right? Like you see way higher rates of like on the job drug use and alcohol use. Um, I'm not saying for everybody, but I think that's worth noting, right? Like what other job, like you, you wouldn't send drunk dudes into, into combat. Um, so, I mean, yes, that is a horrible form of exploitation, but I, I don't know. I, I, it feels different to me somehow. Um, I think, um, for a lot of women too, like it's one of the only jobs where the more experienced you get and older, right? Because there's a lot of demand for very, very, very young, like children. Um, the, the more experienced you get, the less you're paid, the less desirable you are for this job. Um, I don't know. There's a couple others that are not coming to my mind right now. I mean, for me, like, I don't think that any of those things that I just listed is really like what it boils down to in terms of the distinction, which I think is important. And I think it is, it is different. Um, and I'm still like, even a week later, I'm still kind of struggling to find the words, but to me, like it, I mean, maybe it's something about how I feel about money, but I think prostitution to me is commercialized like it's not commercialized labor like you said andy like capitalism right commodifies our work commodifies our labor to me prostitution is not commercialized labor it's commercialized rape or assault right because i don't understand how money changes like if somebody does not want uh you know sexual advances or sexual contact 
I don't understand like just on a human level how money suddenly changes like that idea of consent. I understand like people need money. They're they're like many 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 people around the world are doing this for subsistence. Um, but I I think that's as close as I can get to like trying to boil down why I feel like it's different. Um, I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. I think what changed even in having this conversation with you is just that something I've been not intentionally avoiding, but just I haven't talked about much because it's not my experience, but what you brought, but what is different about this. And again, we don't have to agree, but this is good for the audience to make up where their stance are. What is different about this is the more darker very darker side of this industry, which are children. And even if we were to say women, women who are working for economic reasons and they're exploited, we could, I mean, they, we could, someone could philosophically argue there's still a choice there. Someone could almost say, I, I mean, I'm, I, I'm just, throwing that out there for people because people could say i mean they really could be doing something else like beg you know but for those cynics who say well it's well philosophically there's still a choice i would say that there isn't a choice when it comes to children who are trafficked in this industry and the very darker side there just isn't a choice you are and of course there are women like that even adults who are trafficked i'm not i don't want to undermine but i just want to get down to the cynics who might just be out there saying that there's always a choice in the matter la 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 whatever but there are children who are trafficked sexually and even used. I will just say there was someone here who told me how did they get started in the webcaming industry. They said that they were, they, they started off by, by being, uh, as a child, they were, they were filmed. They were taking pictures were taken of them and they were, uh, these pictures were sold online. This person I should mention, I always try to talk like these things are, if anyone is like, these people I'm speaking to are now adults. They're people in their twenties or they're 18 and older. So I just want to be clear because I'm not talking to kids here. I'm talking to people who have experiences from the past. So they, their pictures, pornographic images of them and video footage of them have been shared online for other perverts in the world. And that's how they got started. I wonder, and this is how I see now, in my, in my view, it's clearer now, how we could put that on the same level of exploitation as other workers. I'm sorry, but maybe I'm not sorry for McDonald's, but I'm still using that example. Um, as the same level of exploitation as McDonald's workers. I, if we're talking about that, the, the labor and the labor movement, I would distinctly put this outside of that. And so it is a different, has a different level of exploitation that doesn't exist, right? Um, in other fields, as I'm thinking, I'm running through other fields, how, where other fields are children being used with lack of skill and lack of consent, any consent really, and being used because even kids who are in slave labor, they're still taught some, like, I don't know how to distinguish what I'm trying to say. Cause I'm still trying to articulate this, but 
as young as, oh, this is terrible, but children are prostituted, you know, in all kinds of ways. And this is a field that is distinct from other labor. Is still economic ties to it? Yes, because who are receiving that compensation for it are adults who are trafficking these kids. So it, it, to me, it's, I'm just trying to think how this is different in, from other areas I was thinking about in comparison. I mean, I, again, I wouldn't say that I'm describing what I would say are the same characters of abuse and exploitation that, ex, that, that adults experience, but children experience that from a young age across the board. They have experienced it in, in industry back in the day in this country, more and more of it's happening now, and it certainly happens around the world. But I would just say our entire education system, for, first of all, the notion that there's a choice in our system is an, is a, is a, is an illusion. There's no choice for us. Like, and in some ways, there's no choice for the capitalists. Pro profits are what make anything happen. Like if there's no profits, that doesn't get built. That's, that's the system we're in. But I'm going to fuck the capitalists. I'm not going to talk about their choices. As far as I'm concerned, the, the, if there are choices, they're the ones who have, they're the ones who are making them. Um, choice doesn't exist for the, for, working, for the working class. And children are, built, are, are, are bred up in this system to accept that they have no choice. That's called the education system. So that I would describe our education system as a, as a mental sweatshop preparing people for no control. And one of the aspects you can see that it's not unique, that one of the ways we can see that the abuse of children is not unique to the, to the sex industry is that they're injecting every goddamn kid in the world right now because they're part of an experiment and part of a process of getting everyone swept into a digital universe, a digital world. So, that, so yeah, they, they, there's a very violent thing happening right now that wasn't, and it was happening even before they started injecting all these kids, even before you went from five vaccines to, to 50 vaccines. That's been our system. Our education system has been, is, is a, an abusive exploitative system. That's basically has one role, which is to accept that abuse and, 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 and be prepared to accept the fact that you will have no choice throughout your entire life as long as you're a worker. So. I understand that that's making everything that's flattening everything out. So it, it, it gets rid of the, the distinctions. I do. I, I'm doing that intentionally because I would say we live in that world and all of us live in that world. Well, one thing I, I guess I will say about like capitalism, I mean, obviously, but how it functions, right? Like it's self-propelling. So I think, um, especially with like the sex industry and tech, which I maybe we'll get to next week. I don't know um, that like the demand, like it's more and more and more. And it like, it's, it's not just like that demand exists, right? Like they create markets, right? Through pornography, through culture, um, through imperialism, through armies, right? They create markets. And then if you combine that with like, pushing enough people into poverty, um, there are always going to be people to pro provide, um, you know, so-called like services. And then if you train a population to find sexual gratification, you know, through like 
commodifying or objectifying people's bodies or some would say their labor, um, you know, and in my view, like debasing women and girls and children and some men. Um, and I think that's been done really successfully. Like if you do that, like they will keep demanding more, just like people are demanding more vaccines, right. In some circles. Um, so it's not just more of the same, but it like everything, it kind of like I was talking about earlier, like a lot of the sex industry, it's gotten more extreme, more violent, more shocking. Right. And it's like, well, where does it end? And I guess what we're seeing now with like fourth industrial revolution, right? Like where it ends is AI and the metaverse, right? Cause you can only abuse somebody's physical body to a point, like it is mortal, it will break. So I guess if you go, you know, if you, if you go to the metaverse, right? Like there's no limits. Um, we should wrap up um, because at five o'clock, which Jess is at five o'clock. I got my counseling. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to talk to my counselor about this episode. <laughs> this is the first episode. I think you're gonna have to really edit, Andy. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're poor we counselors, sh- both of you. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wrap up because I also my I, my roommates I, are getting anxious. If you can, because I, I hope what's been useful is for people to hear the different aspects of that discussion so people can decide for themselves how they think about this stuff. But I, I, I do think this was a good, a good debate and discussion about, about this stuff. So um, we're not going to solve it here because I think we are, gonna, you know, but I would like, Eduardo, maybe you to have the final word and then take us out. So I, I'm just I'm just grappling with these thoughts. Uh, the conversation was very important, I think, because it. It brings up things for me. I'm trying to understand for myself, listening to this, and I'm sure other people in the audience will have their own conclusions, how I, I'm, maybe I need more time with this to see how, how, I, um, how I see this, this field as distinct or as the same in the sense of, as you were talking about, if you boil it down to rudimentary, just what is work and what is exploitation? How is it the same in that level, but not, that you're dismissing or undermining that it is distinct as it as it relates to type or characters we're saying that that is not to be dismissed and i know you andy so i know that that's not, you're not trying to undermine any 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 sort of distinctions there but uh when it comes to the the system in itself and we are in the system of capitalism how it it, it really is the reasons why we're in this is a system of exploitation. This is why it exists. I understand that. Uh, I'm just needing to sit time. I need time to sit with it. And, uh, and maybe in the comment sections, anyone can else can give their opinion. I'd be very curious and interested in it. Uh, but this is uh, definitely an episode that I didn't expect we were going to have. So I thought we were going to discuss something else, but maybe we'll put, as I tried to some of the stories with the sex industry, as, as, as I think um, Jess was trying to bridge us into, about the future of sex and uh and i'll talk about then people's life stories then because i think it is all related anyhow so we'll talk about it next week uh i appreciate this conversation i wish kenny would have been here and he would have shared his two cents and maybe it would have changed the dynamics of this conversation who knows no i thought it was good 
It was nice to be on the on the the losing end. The losing end. <laughs> no, like you're the, the minority, the minority position. I get to see what you feel like, Eduardo. <laughs> there is no losing end on the I know, yeah, I understand. I understand. <laughs> so that does it for this week's episode. What's left is a weekly political podcast slash channel challenging the mainstream left. We post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes where we found this episode or on our blog at what-s-left.webmail.com. You can find past episodes to this podcast slash channel there and connect with us. I remind folks, if you fancy anything that you have heard here, please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications to any of our platforms on Spotify, iTunes Podcast, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, BitChute, uh, Rumble, Odyssey, uh, YouTube, or Telegram. And you can find our blog and any of those links in the episode notes where we found this episode. Um, if you would like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog. Uh, I'm Eduardo Barca with Jess and Andy Livson. Thank you all very much. And we miss you, Kenny, and we'll see you all next week. And happy birthday. Happy oh. birthday, Eduardo. That's right. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, did we...